go. Another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Saturday morning, April, what is today? April 25th. Hard to keep track of the days anymore. April 25th, 2020. Kicking off the show, of course, the classic When the World is Running Down by the Police off the Zenyatta Mandata album. Thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Jamal Hayden. Uh, we've done some music shows recently in the, the wake of the fact that there are no sports, but we actually have some sports now. Um, not games, of course, but we do have the NFL draft. And so this will be a draft show. We've got three rounds in the books. Uh, rounds four through seven uh, commence today, I think at noon uh, is when they'll start drafting in the fourth round. So um, the draft started on, on Thursday night. Obviously a new format, right? Uh, everybody doing it virtually. Um, and um, so they did the first round Thursday night. Rounds two and three were last night and rounds four through seven. I don't know if they're all four through seven are all today or if some of them will be tomorrow. I'm not sure, uh, actually. Um, and I have to say, I think given... Given 41 years of futility as a Lions fan, and given the fact that Bob Quinn, in my estimation, has done a horrendous job since he's been here, um, this was probably the least excited I've been for uh, a draft and a Lions draft in in a really long time. Um, And I will admit I didn't do nearly as much prep for this year's draft as I've done in years past. I didn't watch nearly as much uh, quote-unquote film Um, players. Now listen, I think if anybody who's ever listened to this show before, you know I watch a ton of college football games. So it's not as if I'm flying blind here. Um, But I definitely didn't do as much prep as as I usually do, to be fair. Um, Having said that, we are definitely going to talk about this draft. We're going to talk about the players selected. We'll get into, we're going to really focus today on the Lions, the Giants, and the Jets. We'll do of course, my lines and then my sort of, as I like to call them, my mistress, the Giants. And they're the local team here. And I got a lot of F- Giants fans, friends out there. We'll do the Jets, obviously the lo- other local team here in the New York area. And I have a bunch of buddies that are Jets fans as well. Talk about a couple of other teams that I thought made some interesting picks, some good, some bad. And we'll talk a little bit about the uh, ESPN's, you know, slash NFL Network's coverage of the draft <laughs> as well um, because, you know, that's as much of a story as, as the, the picks themselves. But we'll start with the Lions. And the Lions coming off a horrendous season, 3-12-1, third pick overall in the draft. And there were a couple of questions as to what the Lions were going to do here. The first was would they trade down? Would a team like the Dolphins or the Chargers, who were presumed to be quarterback needy, and the Dolphins are drafting five, and the Chargers are drafting at six. Would one of those two teams trade up to the Lions at three to ensure that they could get the quarterback to a Tagliavoa from Alabama? Now, the Lions basically, a couple of things. The Lions never played their hand and gave anybody the impression that they themselves would draft Tua. Um, you could criticize Bob Quinn for that. The reality is teams are smart and they know that the Lions were not moving on from Matthew Stafford. Uh, first of all, before he got hurt last year, he was playing maybe the best ball of his career. Not only did he put up huge numbers, 19 touchdowns, 5 interceptions in 8 games, that you know extrapolates out to 38 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, and he was going to hit 5,000 plus yards. 
but the efficiency was tremendous. Um, you know, and again, doing all of this without any semblance of a, of a legitimate running game and with an offensive line that is average at best. Um, so, uh, yes, I understand he's 31 and he got hurt again last year. Uh, was not a major injury. Um, I think had the Lions probably been in a position to contend for playoffs late in the season, I think you likely would have seen him come back actually during the season, but there was absolutely zero reason to bring him back when the Lions were losing whatever it was, their last nine games in a row. Um, and the cap hit that the Lions would take if they traded him or cut him would be onerous. So there was no reason to believe that the Lions were really going to move on from him. So I, I, I won't even criticize Bob Quinn for that. Uh, I think any smart team knew that the Lions were not going to take Tua. Um, and then the Giants certainly weren't going to take him uh, take a quarterback at four because they took their guy last year in Daniel Jones. And he certainly showed enough promise last year uh, to, to warrant, you know, continuing. And this wasn't a Josh Rosen, uh, Kyler Murray situation where after one year, uh, you're moving on from the quarterback you just drafted in the first round. So, listen, you could try to get on the Lions and Bob Quinn for not trading down. There were no trade partners to be had. Uh, you know, the Chargers knew if they sat there at six, they're going to get Justin Herbert. They did. The Dolphins knew if they sat there at five, they're going to get two. And they did. So that was one storyline. And again, I think a lot of this is, look, we got these sports people have lots of time to kill. So they come up with idiotic scenarios. I mean, they were even, you know, trying to lead up to the draft. Oh, would the the Dolphins are trying to trade with the Lions, but not give up the fifth pick, right? They would just give up their two late round first picks, which is idiotic. You wouldn't do that if you were Detroit. And the other was, would the Bengals trade out of the number one pick? Um, and the answer to that would be obviously also be no, because they're taking Joe Burrow, uh, presumably, you know, a franchise quarterback and the Bengals need one and they're a rebuilding team, right? With a very young offensive minded head coach and Zach Taylor and, you know, the number one pick overall, when you're that bad, you've got a lot of rebuilding to do. So in any event, uh, so the lines, really, the question was, you know, early on, it was would they trade down? It became evident even a couple of weeks before the draft there were no, not going to be any trade partners. The second was, who would they take with the pick? Would they take Tua and let him sit for a year? Because he's, you know, been... Listen, when he's played at Alabama, he's been a great player. Uh, now, I, I think he's a little overrated. I think that the fact that he played... I mean, look at look at the guys on his team. All these guys are get, getting drafted. I mean, and I... All of his receivers, you know, Ruggs went in the first round. Um, Jerry Judy went in the first round. Uh, you know, Jedrick Wills got left tackle, the right tackle got picked in the first round. I mean, he played on an all-star team. Now, I, I don't want to necessarily criticize him for that, but the fact is he was surrounded by talent everywhere, all across the board. Running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line. One of the best coach teams in college football. One of the best teams in college football. So, you know, you're going to – he had everything at his fingertips in order to, to help him succeed. Now, is he a good player? Of course he is. But the injuries are a major concern. I mean, he has had three major injuries, and he is not a big guy. And, and I'm not talking about height, right? Like, you know, he's six foot. I, you know, I think height is overrated in quarterbacks. As long – you know, quarterbacks, can they move well enough in the pocket – to get themselves throwing lanes, um, you know, can they move out of the pocket? 
Do they have that innate feel to feel the pressure around them and avoid it, right? And he, and he showed he certainly the ability to do that, but he's not a big guy. He's had a lot of major injuries, obviously the most recent one coming this year where he had the hip situation. He's had two ankle injuries as well. He's had a hand injury. Uh, to me, you know, it's, if you're the Dolphins, I understand taking the pick. I can't criticize it. But if you're the Lions, you know, you could, I guess, have, have argued that you would take him and let him basically redshirt a year and get totally healthy. And then you decide what to do with, with, with Stafford, I guess. Um, but the Lions weren't going to do that because they know they need to win this year too. Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia know they need to win games this year. And drafting Tua is not going to help you win any games this year if you're Detroit because he's not going to unseat Stafford. Um, so then the other, so then it really just came down to a question of who's the best defensive player and what's the best fit for the Lions. And in this case, it was pretty simple. It was Jeff Okuda, the cornerback from Ohio State. The only other possible selections in my mind would have been Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, the do-everything sort of linebacker, safety, slot corner, defensive end, edge rusher. I mean, the guy did it all at Clemson. Um, you know, for whatever reason, supposedly he's not deemed a fit for Matt Patricia's precious defense. Um, and I think, honestly, teams are a lot of teams are probably scared by a player like Isaiah Simmons because he's so versatile and it makes you going to have to figure out the best way to deploy him. You know, you don't just put him at one position and, and, and then say, you know, go do this, go do that. And if Isaiah Simmons doesn't work out in the NFL, that's a them problem. That's not an Isaiah Simmons problem. A guy that talented um, and that multifaceted, you've got to figure out a way to extract the, the most production out of him. It's not on him. It's going to be on the coaching staff. And he went to Arizona at eight. It'll be interesting to see uh, how he does. So then it really became Okuda and Derek Brown. Derek Brown, big defensive tackle out of Auburn. Player I like. I mean, a guy, 6'5", 320, high motor player, doesn't give up on plays. Not much of a pass rusher per se, but in the backfield a lot. Definitely disrupts the run game. Had the Lions, had this been a Jim Schwartz Lions team with the scheme that they ran 4-3, I think you make a strong argument for a player like Derek Brown and almost kind of acting as if, as the, the an Indomitian Sioux type player. Now look, he's not Sioux. Very few players were Sioux. Sioux was one of the best defensive tackles to ever play in the history of college football. And his first, what, three, four years in a league, he was arguably one of the top five defensive players in the league. So that's, that's lofty comparison. But... Um, Derek Brown's a very good player. The problem that I would have had with the Lions drafting him is the fact that in Matt Patricia's scheme, defensive tackles are not really set up to make impact plays. And when you're picking third in the draft, the guy you take has to be an impact player. And in a league that is a passing predominant league, you either need to disrupt the passer or have guys that can cover receivers. And Jeff Okuda is the top corner in this draft. He's got the size that you want at 6'1", with long arms, over 200 pounds, Sub five, sub four, five forty. Great kid, student of the game. I mean, this guy knows all of the starting cornerback tandems. Uh, all the teams that he thought he might get drafted by, he knew all the starting cornerback tandems. Like this is a guy who studies football. They're the exact opposite of Ryan Tannehill, who didn't understand that there were two different conferences in football. Um, so I mean, he checks all the boxes, right? Really talented, athletic, 
hard-nosed player, great kid, high football character, all of it. All of it. If he turns out to be a bad player for some reason, I'm not going to kill Bob Quinn. I can't. To me, this was a no-brainer pick. I'm glad the Lions and Bob Quinn didn't overthink this. It was the no-brainer pick. Because, you know, because they decided to part ways with Darius Slay, cornerback is a huge need. Yes, they signed Desmond Trufant in free agency, who's a nice player, but not on the same level as Darius Slay. And listen, I'd much rather have Darius Slay and Jeff Okuda as my starting cornerback tandem next year than Desmond Trufant and Jeff Okuda. But the point is, corner was now a huge need. So whether or not you dis- you agree or disagree with getting rid of Darius Slay because you didn't want to pay him and he was turning 30, um, you know, that's that's a separate argument. The fact is that the need was there. Now, you could debate whether or not the need should have been there, of course, but we're not talking about that right now. So to me, this was a no-brainer pick. So I was happy that they did that. Then the second round, when I saw the players that were on the board, there were edge rushers, there were offensive tackles, there were running backs, there were safeties, sadly, all of which the Lions could use. And again, this is why I maintain that Bob Quinn has done a terrible job. When you go into a draft, and this is your fifth year, and you, or your fifth draft, and you can argue that in the high, you know, that the 35th pick, you know, the number three pick of the second round, you could argue and make a case that the Lions could literally take any of these following positions, wide receiver, running back, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, or safety. You've done a terrible job. You have done a terrible job up to this point. To have that many holes across your team, to have to be to make the argument that you could use that high second round pick on any number of those positions is ridiculous. But what you got to do is get again a stud here, high second round. That's guy. That person's got to be a starter and an above average starter if you're doing it right. And I think the Lions actually got it right here with DeAndre Swift, the running back from Georgia. He was one of three running backs that I had targeted if the Lions were going to go that route. The other was Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, who, by the way, you know, uh, could have gone to Harvard, literally, you know, extremely bright, has interests outside of football, a free thinker. I can guarantee you he was off the Lions board for all of those reasons. Because, you know, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia don't like anybody who thinks for themselves... So I bet you Jonathan Taylor, despite the fact that he had 2,000 yards basically three years in a row, I think one year he had 1,900, and was massively productive at Wisconsin and ran, you know, 4.39 or 4.41 or whatever at 225 pounds at the combine, and you watch the tape and you see he's got all kinds of skills, I guarantee you that the Lions completely eliminated him. I bet he wasn't even a consideration because of the other stuff, which is ridiculous, by the way. There's another reason why Bob Quinn doesn't know what the hell he's doing. But anyway, so the three guys I had were J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, who ended up going to the Ravens a little bit later, even though the Ravens don't really need a running back, but he was too good to pass up. And that's why the Ravens basically are a good team every year, and they nail the draft every year. But then the other was DeAndre Swift, the running back from Georgia, who you know was sort of stuck behind Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. Um, you know, played sparingly early, and um, you know, early in his career, got more and more touches as you know. Then you know, Chubb left, Michelle left. He was kind of the guy last year. Um, Heron took some carries from him. You know, a lot of college teams do this, where 
you know, they, they rotate, you know, they play two and three backs because they get so many snaps in college football, right? They run lots of times, 90 to 100 plus plays in a game. Um, but has the size that I love and prefer for running backs, which is 5'8", 212 pounds. I love those sort of squat, you know, sort of fire hydrant, fire plug type bodies, right? Those are the kinds of bodies that don't take a lot of big hits. They don't take the wear and tear. They're sh- tough to tackle, you know, if you, they run low to the ground, they get behind their pads. Even though they're not tall, they're not small. They can run over people. This guy can run around people. He's got cutting ability. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Had a little bit of a fumbling problem. That's something to keep an eye on. But I think overall, look, this guy is, is a potential game-breaking type of running back. A guy who can go 50, 60, 70 yards. Lions don't have anybody like that on their roster right now until they just drafted this guy. Carryon Johnson is not that guy. Uh, Bo Scarborough, not that guy. Ty Johnson maybe could be that guy, but you know he was a sixth-round draft pick last year out of Maryland, showed a few flashes here and there, but certainly not somebody you can rely on. Certainly should make the team next year and maybe be part of a rotation or you know provide maybe some solid depth, but the Lions had no sure thing on their roster. Again, an indictment to the te- of the job that Bob Quinn has done. Because this is now two out of the last three years Bob Quinn has had to use a second round pick on a running back. And not only which they, and not only that, but like a dope, he traded up for Carry on Johnson two years ago. Listen, trading up in the draft as a general rule is bad business. It's stupid. Okay? It's a dumb proposition. The only way you trade up is to get game changers, game breakers. That's the only way that that works. Like when the Falcons traded up to get Julio Jones. That's the kind of player you trade up against or for a franchise quarterback. That's it. Period. End of discussion. You don't trade up for pedestrian injury prone running backs like Kerryon Johnson, but Bob Quinn did. And guess what? How's that worked out? Well, it hasn't because he just had to spend another second round pick on a running back. And while I like the player, and I agree that it's a need, the point is that it shouldn't be a need. If Bob Quinn was doing this right, running back wouldn't be a need in the second round, at the top of the second round, two years after he just spent a second round pick on a running back. But I like the pick and I like the player. Now you go to the third round, another position that's been of desperate and dire need for the Lions has been a pass rusher, some sort of an edge rusher. They were the worst pass rushing team in the league last year. Nobody worse. They gave all that money to Trey Flowers, who, again, I've said this a million times, solid player. He's not a stud. He's not a game breaker. They're paying him to be a stud, and he's not a stud. He's a very nice, solid player. So the Lions desperately need somebody to rush the passer, and they sort of ironically drafted Julian Okwara from Notre Dame, younger brother of current Lion and former Notre Dame player Romeo Okwara. They kind of play the same position, and it's interesting. You know, of course ESPN ran with the brothers are going to be playing on the same team angle. Um, There's a good chance that... The Lions drafting Julian Okwara means Romeo Okwara's days with the team are numbered because they kind of play the same position. And Romeo Okwara, while he, you know, look, he was an undrafted free agent by the Giants. Giants cut him. Lions picked him up late in the year, two years ago. And he actually showed a lot of promises first year with the Lions. He had seven and a half sacks. 
and showed some promise. Last year, he was non-existent. He had one and a half sacks. You, you, you wouldn't even have known he was on the team basically last year. So I think there's a strong possibility that he may lose his spot on the team to his younger brother, which may provide for some awkward moments down the line. Um, but as far as the pick is concerned, uh, I like the pick. Listen, he, he I think there, going into this season, uh, he was thought of and considered to possibly be a late first round pick, early second round pick. He got hurt. Um, you know, I think he broke his leg halfway through the season at Notre Dame. But he's got the size, 6'5", you know, 260 pounds, 255, 260, the long arms, lots of pass rushing ability, uh, you know, great kid. Again, high character, high football character. All those things are nice, but there's a lot of talent there too. So in the third round, no issue with that at all. Again, lines need pass rushers desperately, and it's certainly worth using that pick on a player like him. So, so far, so good. This has been a, a, you know, I'm looking, I'm like, okay, Jeff Okuda, like it. Uh, DeAndre Swift, like it. Julian O'Quara, like it. We're, we're going, you know, uh, Big Ten at Ohio State, SEC, Georgia, Notre Dame, great, okay. We're not getting cutesy by taking, you know, guys from, you know, Division One AA schools or, you know, uh, schools like Hawaii, like last year with uh, Jelani Tavai, or two years ago, Tracy Walker from Louisiana Lafayette in the third round, complete overdraft. So um, I'm liking it. I'm like, okay, maybe this guy's finally learned his lesson. And then, of course, the Lions had two third round picks, right? The second one was Philly's pick that they got for Darius Slay, which was the 85th pick. Rather just sit there and wait and see what happens. No, 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 no. Bob Quinn has to Bob Quinn. So he trades up 11 spots in the third round. And what did I just say about trading up? As a rule, as a general rule, it's a bad practice. He trades up. Is it to get, let's say, another pass rusher? Is it to get uh, a stud receiver? Some sort of a game breaker? Game changer? No, 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 no. Bob Quinn trades up to get a guard And that, ladies and gentlemen, is all you need to know about Bob Quinn. He will do something every single draft that will show you that he does not understand what the draft is. To paraphrase Mel Kuyper from a million years ago when he killed the Colts for drafting Trev Alberts instead of Trent Dilfer. And he said, you know, this is why the Colts just don't understand what the draft's all about. Uh, Bob Quinn does not understand what the draft is all about. I mean, the idiocy of trading up, if you're going for a guard, is, is not in the third round, is not even to be believed. I mean, it's just plain dumb. Because, first of all, you're talking about 11 picks. So, A, that guy very well may have been there if he just sat there. B, even if he didn't, you better have four other guards on your board that are pretty much the same level as this guy that the Lions took. Uh, Jonah Jackson, by the way, is his name from Ohio State. You better have four other guys that are pretty much, you could take or leave, you know, they're pretty much the same guy. And if you don't, then you're not doing your homework. And if you don't think that there's four other guys that are pretty much the same player as he is when you're talking about the third round, then you really don't understand what the draft is all about. You don't. Because I can guarantee you there are. 
six other, eight other guards probably in this draft that are probably on the same, that probably bring the same skill level that Jonah Jackson does. And I'm not saying Jonah Jackson's a bad player. By all accounts, he's a good player. I can't tell you I know a lot about him. I didn't spend a lot of time watching Ohio State's offensive line individually. I know as a group, they played well. He was a grad transfer. He actually started his career at Rutgers. But by all indications, seems like a good player. Got high marks from the supposed draft Knicks. Okay, again, I don't mind. And it was, of course, again, another indictment of Bob Quinn. Offensive line, yet again, another need. It's been a need ever since he's gotten here, ever since he carelessly and foolishly bid Larry uh, Warford adieu and said, no thanks, you can't play here, except he'll go and start for the Saints for the last four years, the best offense in football, and play at an all-pro caliber position uh, level. I mean, Bob Quinn's been trying to, you know, rebuilding the offensive line since he's gotten here. It's ridiculous. And yet again, he did the same thing. He let Graham Glasgow go, one of his few good picks, by the way. Third round pick four years ago out of Michigan. Played center and both guard positions and played it very well at a high level and, and was durable. Missed two snaps, I think, in his whole career with the Lions. But there it is again. And then gave that all that money to Rick Wagner. He was terrible. And now he just gave a ton of money to, to Vitae from Philly, who wasn't even really a starter there. And now has to spend a third-round pick and, again, trades up for a third-round pick for a guard. I mean, it's beyond idiotic. It really is. Again, it's I don't have an issue with the player. And, yes, it was a position of need. Again, though, the, the point is it shouldn't be a position of need. But, Quinn, I mean, how much longer is it going to take you to figure out the offensive line? I mean, think about it. Since Bob Quinn has been here, he drafted Taylor Decker in the first round, Graham Glasgow in the third round. Also took Joe Dahl in the fifth round. Took Frank Ragnow in the first round. Gave big money to TJ Lang. Gave big money to Rick Wagner. Drafted Terrell Crosby in the fifth round. Um, what else am I missing? You know, he's given free agent contracts to guys like Kenny Wiggins and Ode, and Ode Ibushi. Um... You know, I mean, and then now just gave another big free agent contract to this guy Vitae from from the Eagles, and now just spent another third round pick on a guard. I mean, I, I, I mean, how many, how how much capital, how much, how many resources are you going to, to keep investing in the same position over and over? I mean, at some point you got to get it right. I mean, this is ridiculous. So that's where we sit with the Lions draft so far. Again, the fact that you could argue that except for maybe quarterback and tight end, the Lions need help everywhere else. And by the way, the Lions need help at tight end. It's just, you know, it'd be beyond embarrassing. They'd be like the Bears. I mean, the Bears, we'll get to the Bears in a second. Um, But, I mean, the fact that, you know, they spent the eighth pick in the draft on a tight end last year on TJ Hawkinson. You know, I've talked about that ad nauseum, how dumb that was. Um, gave big money, free agent money to Jesse James, who did absolutely nothing for them last year. And guys that they already had on the roster previous to that, like uh, Darren Fells, played at a high level, but they just let go and never and never made an attempt to keep. Again, just shows... Bob Quinn doesn't understand. 
He just doesn't get it. He's a poor evaluator of talent. And he doesn't really get how to build a team. But I will say this. Right now, the lines on paper are better. They are. But here's the thing. I mean, Okuda's going to struggle, right? Corners struggle. Now, there's been some top five corners throughout the course of, of, of history that have come in and played well and played at a high level early. Patrick Peterson, fairly recently. Um, Denzel Ward, very recently from, from Cleveland. played ex- Had an excellent rookie year. Also Ohio State guy, by the way. Um, Marshawn Lattimore, also Ohio State. Not a top five or ten pick, but but I think just outside the top ten a few years back for for the Saints stepped in and as a rookie and played at a high level. So it can be done. And I think if anybody has a shot to have a very good rookie year, it's this kid. Again, because he's got all the physical attributes that you want, right? 6'1", 205 with long arms and plenty, plenty of speed. Um, and he's got the want to and the hunger. So, you know, I, I, he's going to struggle. All corners struggle and all rookies struggle. He's going to have, he's going to take his lumps, but I think he, he, he should have a good rookie year. He's certainly better than anybody the Lions have currently on their roster now as, as options outside of Trufant. So, and then again, Swift should provide a major boost to the running game that the Lions literally have been searching for since Barry Sanders. I mean, you understand they've had one running back with 1,000 yards since Barry Sanders. That was that one year Reggie Bush barely cracked the 1,000-yard mark during the Jim Schwartz era. One. One. Barry Sanders retired in 1998, folks, or 99. It's over 20 years. <laughs> so, you know, listen, I like Swift. I like Oquara. We'll see if he can be... You know, some, at least early on, a situational pass rusher and give him a little juice, a little life as a pass rusher there. And then, you know, you would assume that this Jonah Jackson, since they traded up for him, you pencil him as his starting right guard on day one. All right, moving on. Let's get to my football mistress, the New York Giants. So coming into this draft, the Giants picking four had some very obvious needs. Offensive line, I think, first and foremost, right? And we've been we've been talking about, I mean, you know, I've been talking about this. It's been a sort of a recurring theme for the last couple of years. The Lions and the Giants are, are very similar in a lot of ways. And one of them is that they cannot get their offensive line straightened out. Uh, you know, the Giants idiotically threw a ton of money at Nate Solder, formerly of the Patriots. I mean, do, do these GMs not... Pay attention to the fact. It's like when the Lions gave T.J. Lang all that money, the former Packer. Do they not realize that these guys get away with murder? And I'm not even joking here. That they clutch, grab, and hold and do whatever they want and they don't get called for it because they're blocking for for Brady and Rodgers. I mean, seriously, do general managers not see that? Do the rest of their pro personnel, of talent evaluators, the coaches, do they not see that? Do they just choose to ignore it because they can't believe it? Because they have to try to convince themselves that it's a level playing field of some sort. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serious about this now. I know I'm not making a joke. I mean, the whole world, I think, knew that signing, signing Nate Solder to that contract was absurd. And it's proven to be. I mean, he's not a stud left tackle. He's just not. So the Giants need a left tackle in the worst way. You know, they tried a few years back with Eric Flowers. That was a horrible pick. That was a Jerry Reese pick, though. That wasn't a Gettleman pick. 
Um, now he's sort of remade himself as a, as a, a, a serviceable guard and just got paid a lot of money, actually, I think by Jacksonville. Or maybe he was with Jacksonville. I forget where he went just now. Washington. I think the Redskins just, or maybe he went from Washington to Jacksonville. I, I forget. I think that's what it was. Three years, 30 million. But anyway, I digress. So the, the, the Giants need offensive line in the worst way. And they need a legit left tackle. Look, you, you made Jones the sixth pick in the draft last year. Again, he showed enough to give you hope as a Giants fan. And if you work for the Giants as a coach or, or in the front office. Now, he had the fumbling issues. That's stuff that can be worked out, right? And he was also under siege a lot. I mean, he was because the Giants offensive line is not very good. And Nate Solder, big part of that problem by the way. But, um, so they needed a, a, an offensive lineman, a tackle. You're not taking a guard at four. I mean, there's 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 very few Quentin Nelsons, the guy the Colts took a few years back at of Notre Dame with the fifth pick, who's been an absolute stud for them. Those guys come along once every 10 years, if that. So if you're picking a, a, an offensive lineman in the top five, it's going to be a tackle, and it's going to be presumably a left tackle. So, while I know a lot of Giants fans wanted Jedrick Wills, the kid from Alabama, he's a right tackle. The other one maybe would have been Wirfs from Iowa. I think people think he's still a little raw. He may well end up being the best of this bunch, though, down the road. Uh, there was Makai Becton, the mammoth tackle that the, jo- the Jets took at 11. We'll talk about him in a little while. Uh, but I think the cleanest guy, by most people's estimations, was Andrew Thomas from Georgia, and that's who the Giants took. Now, is he Jonathan Ogden? No, he's not. Is he Tony Baselli? No, he's not that level stud left tackle. To me, he's more of a Jeff Backus, a Riley, well, a little better than a Riley Reef. But, you know, I think very solid, good kid, played at a great program, high level of competition. Um, I think uh, his teammate, the right tackle, former Poly Prep alum, Isaiah Wilson, who went 29 in the Titans, actually, because of his physical gifts, has a chance to be a better pro than Andrew Thomas. But you're not going to take Isaiah Wilson at four. I mean, you know, look, five years down the road, it, it could turn out that way. Um, but that would be, that's a massive projection. It, it was a safe pick here. Now, my buddy Justin hates this pick. He wanted Wills. Wills more of a nasty streak. Thomas is a little bit more finesse kind of a tactician. Uh, listen, I understand, and Wills is kind of a, you know, a mauler, a road grader, plays with a mean streak, um, but he's a right tackle, and I think the Giants didn't project him as a left tackle, and they want to, I think now, what this means, they're going to flip Solder to the right side, and Thomas will play left tackle. So, uh, not sexy, not exciting, but I think it was the smart and prudent move, and again, you got to, you know, you draft a quarterback the year before in the top 10, you got to protect them. So I think that pick made sense. You know, again, tackle, the position is not the issue. The, the only thing you could quibble about is, you know, did you like Becton better? Did you like Wirfs better? Did you like Wills better? Um, those would those would be the other players at that position that you could make an argument for over Andrew Thomas. I don't have a problem with it. Round two, Giants nailed this pick. Giants defense has been bad for a while. We know this. Their secondary in particular has been bad. Now, I talked about it last year. They have stockpiled a bunch of young corners on that defense who I understand have not played great so far, but have potential. All of these guys do. 
right? From DeAndre Carter to Sam Beal, Julian Love, all these guys have ability and talent. And again, it's a tough position. And it, it, you know, Darius Slay would not was not Darius Slay his first two years in the league. It took him until year three before he really started to come into his own. Uh, Jabril Peppers actually showed some signs last year before he got hurt. But the Giants desperate need of a safety and a playmaker, and they got one in Xavier McKinney, the kid from Alabama, who you know, look, plays all over the field, can play in the box, can play deep third, can play some slot corner, can play some nickel linebacker. Not the biggest guy at about 6'1-ish, a little over 200 pounds. You know, I think he got dinged a little bit because he ran 4'6'3 at, at the combine. He claims he's run 4'5s before. If you watch him on tape, he plays much faster than a 4'6'3. By the way, Cam Chancellor ran 4'6'5, I think. Now, Cam Chancellor's also 225, 230 pounds. But my point is, safeties in particular... You know, straight line 40 speed, not important. Lateral quickness and the ability to diagnose and jump plays is much more important than straight line 40 speed. There are many safeties throughout the course of the NFL who did not run fast 40 times who were great players. So, um, or very good players. But again, if he even, you know, as he claims, if he really runs in the four fives, all the better. But I think that's the only reason why he kind of got dinged. A lot of people had him projected to be a first-round pick for the Giants to get him here at the top of the second round. Again, position of need, the pedigree from Alabama. I mean, look at all the safeties coming to Alabama the last few years, right? You've got uh, Eddie Jackson with the Bears. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix. Um, uh, uh, who was the kid that Jacksonville took a couple of years ago? I can't remember his name now. Uh, the point is... It, it, Alabama, as we know, is, is a pro factory, right? It, it, it's, you, it's really tough to mess up a pick from Alabama. Generally, it's a good practice. So I like that pick a lot. Now, so, if, you know, Giants fans, have, I think, have very similar feelings about Dave Gettleman that I have about Bob Quinn. And they're similar too, right? They're arrogant and defensive and, you know, just generally not likable for their public persona. Um so the third round comes. Now, Giants, again, we talked about it. Offensive line's a major, major need. Defense, a major need. Be it, you know, pass rusher, although I still like the upside and potential of Carter and uh, O'Shane Jimenez, right? But you can never have too many pass rushers. So you could make an argument that there was a lot of ways the Giants could go here in round three. I would have thought center would have been the way I would have gone. Maybe Tyler Bayadaz, a kid from... Um, Wisconsin or Questionberry from from LSU. Giants go with a kid named Matt Pert from UConn. Big kid, 6'7", about 320. Four-year starter, but by all indications, a project and someone who's not going to come in and play right away. Um, Now, the good news for the Giants is Biedaz has not been drafted yet. So if they get him at the top of round four, which is a strong possibility... Or if they, I don't think Quesenberry's been drafted either. If they get one of those two centers in the fourth round, then this pick makes absolute sense. And I'll shut up and Gettleman would be right and I'll be wrong. But if they don't end up getting a center in the fourth round, at the top of the fourth round, this pick doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Listen, I understand he's got all the physical attributes and he did play a lot in college. 
Um, but he played at UConn. UConn plays nobody. UConn stinks. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's not. It, it, it again, if they get the center in round four, fine. Drafting, you know, a big strong kid here who has potential, and maybe he replaces Nate Solder next year. Then you know what? It's a great pick. We'll see. So that's the Giants after uh, the first three rounds. Again, I think they've got to go again O-line here. And if I were them, I would take uh, Tyler Biedez from from Wisconsin. That would be the pick for me. Um, Actually, I think Questionberry has been drafted. So pretty much the Giants here are are hoping that I think that Biedez lasts for them. and uh, is there at the top of round four, you know, fourth pick in the fourth round. All right, moving on, let's talk about the Jets, who also, you know, look, when when Darnold played last year, they were competitive, right? You know, their backup quarterback situation, you could argue who had a worse one, the Lions or, or the Jets last year. I mean, it was awful, right? Luke Falk and who was the other guy they, they trotted out there. I mean, it was, it was a horror show. Um, but you know, they've got some young pieces over there. Um, and, uh, obviously Darnold is is top of the list. Um, you know, they, they, you know, they still can't, they, then another team can't get the running back position, right? You know, they, 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 they traded for, uh, Le'Veon Bell and that didn't work out. You know, their Jets offensive line is not great. So same thing, same exact concept with the Jets that applied to the Giants, which is you drafted a quarterback high, you better protect that guy. And so they went out and took Mekhi Becton, the massive, massive offensive lineman from Louisville, 6'7", 364. And at that size ran, I think, like what, a 5-140? I mean, light on his feet, um, you know, extremely, insanely nimble for a man that big. I mean, just in, insane. So um, I think, you know, the, the one maybe negative about him is, you know, the weight, he's got to kind of keep that in check. He had a tendency in college to, to really balloon up. Um, and then, you know, also, is he going to be a, a worker? Right, because when you're that big and that talented, you could probably get by on physical ability alone, and um, you know. So is he going to bust his butt and 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 try to get better? Um, but I again, I, I don't think it. I think this pick makes a, a world of sense for the Jets. So kudos to that pick. I think that was a strong pick. Second round, Jets needed wide receiver too, right? You got to give your your young quarterback some weapons. They lost their supposed best receiver in Robbie Anderson. Uh, to me, fine. They replaced him with with Prashad Perriman, who, after looking like a bust his first couple of years in a league after being drafted in the first round by Baltimore, latched on with Tampa Bay last year and had a really strong finish to the season. You know, a size speed guy similar to Robbie Anderson who, again, you see this all the time in, in all sports. You know, so certain guys, it just takes a little more time for the light to go on, so to speak. And particularly, you know, Perriman started, you know, he came from college where he basically was a one-route runner, right? And, you know, didn't know the intricacies and the nuances of the pro passing game. Got hurt. Uh, you know, one of the few picks for the Ravens, by the way, that hasn't worked out. Um, so, you know, 
And listen, when you get knocked down a peg like that, some guys, a wake-up call is a good thing, and maybe they start to work a little harder, and they start to study a little harder, and they take it a little more seriously because they realize, you know what, holy shit, I might be ahead of this league if I don't get my act together. So I think the Perryman signing was a sneaky, under-the-radar, potentially great signing for the Jets. Um, they have Jamison Crowder, who's one of the better slot receivers in the league. And now they, they throw in Denzel Mims, 6'3", about 210 pounds. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of this kid. I watched, who was that game Baylor played against? Was it TCU, I think, late in the year? Now, first of all, Baylor played about three or four quarterbacks this year, right? So it's not like he was playing with a stud, and he still put up big numbers. He blocked. He's got a great catch radius. He should be a red zone threat. For sure, makes all kinds of uh, crazy contested catches, can run after the catch. I mean, listen, I think you could argue that he might have been a first-round talent as well. Um, For the Jets to get him here at 59, after, by the way, Joe Douglas traded down, which is always the right move, by the way. Not trading up, trading down is always the smart move. That's the weird thing about Bob Quinn I don't understand. He came from New England. New England trades down all the time. I mean, again, they might trade up here and there if they've got a specific player targeted, but they can do that because the Patriots win 10, 11, 12 games every year for the last 20 years. But more often than not, the Patriots always trade down. And guess what? They traded down again to uh, this draft, too. They traded out of the first round. It's almost as if Bob Quinn is like feels some weird need to separate himself from the Patriots. You know, and, and, and come out from under the shadow of Bill Belichick. By the way, Bob Quinn, let me explain something to you. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody knew who you are with the Patriots. Nobody cares. And you were a very, very small reason for the Patriots' success. A very small part of the Patriots' success. So, I mean, nobody cares about if you're going to do it differently and come out from under the shadow and the shell of Bill Belichick. No, actually do what they do. When it comes to the draft. Anyway, I digress. I like the Denzel Mims pick a lot for the Jets in the second round. And then in the third round, uh, they addressed defense again. They took this kid, Ashton Davis, from Cal. Sort of a hybrid player, safety, maybe some slot corner. Uh, good good, good size, speed combination, 6'1", over 200 pounds. Can run. Um don't really understand the pick, though, from the standpoint of they've got two young safeties, Jamal Adams and, and Marcus May. Now, May has been hurt a lot, so you know that's something to consider. Um, and maybe the Jets think that, that Davis, you know, uh, listen, some teams play three safety sets a lot. They could do that, too. They think he's versatile. You know, you could play Adams more around the line of scrimmage in the box and, and, and as a blitzer where he excels. Um, and then maybe Davis plays some, some deep middle for you. So we'll see. Listen. He got hurt in the pre-draft process. I, he was highly thought of before that. Um, a talented physical player. So, again, it would be up to the Jets coaches to figure out what to do with him and how to get him, May, and, and Adams on the field at the same time. And then in their other third-round pick that they got from trading down in the second round, they picked up Jabari Zaniga, who is a uh, pass rusher, edge rusher from Florida. Now... <laughs> If you're a Jets fan, you might be having some PTSD after the disastrous Ja'Kai Polite pick uh, from last year. Or was it two years ago? Another edge rusher from Florida. Um, but um, listen, this kid's got uh, a lot of untapped potential, I think. You know, for the third round, again, pass rushers. 
Uh, always get overdrafted. I didn't love this pick really here. Um, again, uh, and it's it's listen, it's silly to say because one p- player from a certain school didn't work out that another player from a certain school is, doesn't isn't going to work out. But I could understand Jets fans having some trepidation around this pick. But um, again, the Beckton pick, good pick. Love the Mims pick. The Ashton Davis pick on the surface is a bit of a head scratcher because the Jets already have two young safeties there. Um, and then the Zaniga pick, I don't love, but I can understand, again, the, 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 the ability and the desire to try to get a young pass rusher in the mix. All right, moving on. So we'll get to the, the, the draft coverage itself. Now, listen, I get it. It's tough environment, right? It's not live. It's not in person. Everything is virtual on Zoom or whatever. Um, but all the more reason for ESPN to dispense with the nonsense and just talk about the actual draft itself and give me football analysis. I mean, for Christ's sakes, you have 39 guys on your staff there that were, you know, college guys, pro guys, Pro and you got Mel Kuyper, you got Daniel Jeremiah, you know, you've got uh, Jesse Palmer who watches a million college games and knows more about college football than anybody. Kirk Herbstreit knows a ton about college football. I mean, you've got all these guys, all these resources at your disposal, and they're all on the telecast. And what do I have to get every four seconds? Is some saccharine, you know, heartstring pulling story from Tom Rinaldi about, oh, his mother was murdered when he was seven, or he's got a sister with special needs. I mean, who cares? Can you talk about football, please? I mean, make the pick and move on, and then just give me some real football analysis. Does this guy Is this guy a fit for his team? Is he not a fit? What are his strengths? What are his negatives? You never hear anything about the negatives anymore. By the way, Trey Wingo has turned into a complete disaster as a host. For ESPN. I mean, he is, I, I remember when he was somewhat entertaining. I mean, now he is just a sycophant and corporate shill for the rat. I mean, it's its embarrassing to watch what's happened to him. But I mean, the production, it's just terrible. I mean, it really, I mean, it's not that hard, guys. It really isn't. I mean, give, give me, okay, here's, here's a little highlight package of what he did. Here's his strengths. Here's the weaknesses. Is he a good fit for this team? I mean, you got Lewis Riddick, who's a former front office guy and a former NFL player there. I mean, you got a million guys. Maybe that's part of the problem is they have too many chefs in the kitchen, right? I don't need Booger McFarland anywhere near these proceedings, by the way. You know, but give me Jesse Palmer. Give me Kirk Herbstreet. Fine. Give me Lewis Riddick. Give me DJ. Give me Kuyper. That's it. That's all I need. I don't need all the other, these other guys. It's just terrible. I mean, it really is. It's so bad. You know, all these human interest stories, everything. I mean, listen, you know, I, I, I guess maybe the point is that, uh, I, I actually, I don't know what the point is. I really don't. I mean, I guess either they're trying to humanize these guys and, that, and that's all well and good. There's plenty of time for that after the fact. Let the local papers who do the write-ups about these players handle that angle. You know, but when I'm watching the draft, particularly now when there's no other sports to distract us, can you just focus on the actual sport and the actual players and the merits or the non-merits of drafting these players at these positions for these teams? 
I mean, God forbid, right? But I mean, listen, it's ESPN. So why, why would I expect anything else? The, 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 the self-anointed worldwide leader indeed. As usual, they get it wrong again. Just terrible. Um, some interesting little side notes here. So the Packers <laughs> took a quarterback with their first round pick, Jordan Love. Out of Utah State, guy who had a great year two years ago in college, had not so great year this year, um, but you know, big, strong, athletic kid with good arm, uh, a lot of ability. You know, a lot of people uh, attribute the fact that he had a bad year this year, attribute that to the fact that um, lost a lot of good players off the team from the year before. I think they had a coaching change as well at Utah State. Um, you know which sort of led him to try to do too much, got sloppy, got a little careless with some of his mechanics, uh, tried to play hero ball too much. Um, Listen, I get that Aaron Rodgers is 35, and this model worked for them, obviously, before with Aaron Rodgers, right? They still had Brett Favre who was in his prime, and they drafted Aaron Rodgers towards the end of the first round, and that worked out pretty well for them. So from that standpoint... I don't think it's a bad move or a head-scratcher at all. Again, Aaron Rodgers is 35. Now, he hasn't really shown any signs of slowing down. But look, if you're Green Bay and your plan here... And listen, I would love to kill Green Bay about this. I can't stand... As you well know, anybody's ever listened to the show, I can't stand the Packers. So I would love to kill them. I don't have a problem with this move at all. A lot of people do. And apparently, Rodgers himself is pissed off beyond belief. And if I were him, I could understand that taking that uh, approach also. I understand that that that's that mindset if you're Rodgers. By the way, it may spur him to play even better this year. You never know. And maybe the Packers were actually thinking about that when they made this pick. But what they're probably doing is being smart long-term and saying, look, we love this kid's physical ability. He's not ready to play right now. We don't need him to play right now. We're picking at the end of the first round. What was it, the 26th pick? And I think actually they did trade up, though, to get him. Is that right? I mean, let me just make sure I got this right. Um, but you know what, if he's our, our, our quarterback in two years from now and is, you know, a, 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 you know, an above average player, then it makes all the sense in the world. And it's not even, it's not even an argument. It's a no brainer. Um, so, you know, and yes, the Green Bay, does Green Bay need a receiver? And could you have argued that they should have taken a receiver there if they're thinking about just the short term? Sure. Sure. Of course you could. But listen, I love it because, again, you know, it, 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 it furthers this notion that Rodgers can't stand Matt LaFleur. And Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, for some reason, doesn't like Rodgers because, you know, Matt LaFleur, it seems like to be, again, one another one of these guys going to show the world that it's, he's going to do it his way. And he doesn't need Aaron Rodgers. Although, you know, Rodgers played great for them last year. But they also had a great running game last year, right? Aaron Jones really emerged as one of the stud running backs in the league, which made their second pick all the more of a head-scratcher, which was uh, the big bruising running back out of Boston College, A.J. Dillon. This move made absolutely no sense to me. I mean, is he a good player? Yeah, he is a good player. But he's a throwback player. I mean, he's more of a a Derrick Henry type right? Six feet, about 250 pounds. I mean, he's a beast. Um, But I mean, again, Packers need receivers and you didn't take one in the first round. And now you take a running back when you're running game. Packers running game is fine. 
It's more than fine. Very good. One of the best in the league last year. And the Packers, by the way, are one of these teams that makes me jealous because they find running backs in all, all corners of the globe. They get guys undrafted free agents that are productive. Fifth-round picks, sixth-round picks. Doesn't matter. They're always unearthing talented running backs. So this pick made no sense to me whatsoever. I love it. I think it's an idiotic pick by the Packers. It made no sense. And then in the third round, they still uh, ignored wide receiver and took some guy from Cincinnati who's like an H-back type. I mean, again, ridiculous. A ridiculous pick. Josh DeGora from Cincinnati, 6'2", 240. Kind of a tweener, not really uh, you know, a proper tight end, so to speak. Um, yeah, so that made me very happy. But the joke of the draft so far has to go to the Chicago Bears. I mean, first of all, the Chicago Bears literally have nine, count him, nine tight ends on their roster. Nine. Nine. They gave Trey Burton a ton of money, what was it, one year ago, two years ago, from uh, signing him from the Eagles. He's a move tight end slash H-back. They signed Jimmy, they cut him. They replaced him by signing an over-the-hill and diminished Jimmy Graham and gave him a ridiculous contract. They, they drafted Adam Shaheen in the second round two years ago from a small college. You know, he's a big, uh, you know, size, weight, you know, triangle numbers guy. He's done absolutely nothing for them for the most part. He's been hurt a lot. So what are the, the, the Bears doing? They don't have a first-round pick. I think probably dating back to the idiotic trade-up for Trubisky. So they draft Cole Komet, tight end from Notre Dame. I mean, and again, the, they, they have nine tight ends on the roster. Now, listen, again, you know my theory and my position on tight ends, okay? They are not game breakers for the most part. Yes, there's the Travis Kelseys of the world and the George Kittles of the world. Again, those guys, none of them are first-round picks. Uh, but those guys are few and far between. And when you already have nine tight ends on your roster, if you can't find three good ones out of those nine, then why do you have nine tight ends on your roster? I mean, it, it, this is an idiotic pick on a level that's not to be believed. Beyond dumb. Beyond dumb. And then their other second-round pick, they took his kid Jalen Johnson from Utah, who, uh, good player, but coming off uh, a, a leg injury. So we'll see what, what happens there. But, I mean, you know, listen. As a Lions fan, to see the Packers and the Vikings, uh, not I mean, sorry, the Packers and the Bears not exactly killing it so far um, in the draft makes me very happy. Um, speaking of the Vikings, um, I think they actually did some good things. Let me just take a quick look. Uh, their first round pick, did they? T yeah, they took Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver from LSU. You know, they traded. Uh, Stefan Diggs to the Bills. So wide receiver was a ma ma major need for them. Um, you know, Josh Dotson, who they took from TCU a few years ago, flamed out, was a total bust. Um, so wait, no, they didn't take him. That was the Redskins. They took the kid from Ole Miss. Sorry. Um, oh, I can't remember his name, but he that's why he went to the Redskins. He turned out to be a total bust. Um, oh, I can't remember his name now. Anyway, Wide receiver is a big need for the Vikings. Um, they took Justin Jefferson there. Um, really good, really good player. It was a good pick for them. And they took a corner from TCU, 
their second first-round pick, uh, Jeff Gladney. You know, the Vikings have been throwing pit, high picks at, at corners for a long time. You know, Trey Waynes. Uh, um, oh, criminy. Uh, the kid from South from uh, South Florida, Mike, uh, who got hurt. Obviously, they had Xavier Rhodes. They had the, the other kid, Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, they, they've been using a lot of capital on corners over the years. Some have worked, some have not. Um, you know, by all accounts, this is a solid pick. And then they took a tackle from Boise State in the second round, um, Ezra Cleveland, who um, is a good player and it's a good pick for them. And then they took a corner, another corner from from Mississippi State in the third round, Cameron Dancer, really tall, um, not the most fluid athlete, you know, six two though. So we'll see there. And then the other last sort of note here, the other really interesting pick was Jalen Hurts, the quarterback from formerly Alabama, and then you know finished his career out in um, at at Oklahoma. One of my favorite players in this draft. Um, you know, I've we talked about him for for years, ever since his Alabama days. I mean, you're not going to get a better competitor, uh, you know, leader, guy who you know, team first guy all the way. When he got benched in the national championship game, didn't say boo. I mean, just just everything you want in a leader on your team and can play. Um, Eagles took him in the second round, and remember, they have Carson Wentz. Now, I understand Carson Wentz has been injury prone, but. You know, when you take a quarterback in the second round, the implication is you expect that guy to be a starter within, you know, if not the, his rookie year, certainly by his second year. And Carson Wentz is, what, four or five years in the league? I mean, he should be hitting his prime. So this was definitely a head-scratcher of a move. Now, they're going to say probably the Eagles are going to probably spin this as, well, we could use him in a variety of ways and special packages and maybe similar to what the, the Saints did with uh, Taysom Hill this year. Um, listen, uh, again, if Wentz gets hurt again and Jalen Hurts takes over and is a quarterback there for the next five to 10 years, then it makes a lot of sense. If, you know, Wentz plays for the next three years and all you're doing is using Jalen Hurts, um, as a backup and or, uh, you know, as a gadget player, it's idiotic beyond belief to, to, to pick him this high. So, um, again, it's not cause I don't like the player. I love the player. I, I like him a lot. One of my favorite quarterbacks in this draft, actually. Probably, you know, I think after Burrow and maybe Tua, I think I liked him the most of, of any of the guys. I understand Justin Herbert's got the size and the, the, the arm strength and all that. But, I mean, I just, I love Jalen Hurts and what he brings. So, anyway, also very uh, sort of controversial and interesting pick. Again, uh, this only works if he's the starting quarterback for that team, you know, for the next five to seven years. And so, listen, maybe they figure out a way to trade Wentz, you know, who knows, but it's certainly curious to say the least. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Jamal About Sports, the draft episode, episode number 130, by the way. Stay safe, be well. Thanks for listening, as always. Until next time, peace out.